Welcome to Shine On, the podcast where older people share stories. We meet creative older people in Leeds and find out about their lives. Today's podcast is called My End is My Beginning. Three friends, three different stories, three women. We've known each other for 40 years, but this was a chance for us to share a bit about our journeys as artists. So I'm Ruth Steinberg, and I'm a storyteller. I'm Lynette Willoughby, and I'm a visual artist. I make now primarily make artist books and do installations with a colleague of mine. And I'm Claire Wigsell, and I am a poet, and I write poems, and I perform at open mics, and I also perform outdoors in nature at Kirkstall Abbey as part of the Mindfulness Festival twice a year. And the other thing that we've got in common is that we're all 70. Not yet. No, nearly. <laughs> 70 or nearly. <laughs> or 70 plus. So, or 70 plus. <laughs> we're all around around that. And we've all um, finished doing um, um, paid work. So the, this is all about us being uh, artists and being creative. So I'd like to hear something about before you finish work, your story of being uh, creative or creativity in your life or becoming an artist, if that happened before you finished work. So, Claire, would you like Shall to start? Shall I start? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was young, my parents paid for somebody in our Quaker meeting to give me art lessons. So I used to go once a week from... I don't know if they did pay her, actually. They probably didn't. She, <laughs> she prob They probably just... She did it just out of kindness because she was a lovely woman. But I used to go from my piano lessons and then I used to walk down the road to her and she'd give me tea and then we'd do some art. And I think about her quite often because really that was very formative and we did lots and lots of different media. This is visual, visual art, of course, so that's the first thing to say is I've always done visual art and poetry and other writing. Um, so early on, that's what I was doing. And I did a bit of writing. I did write a story when I was a child. I wrote a smuggler's story. <laughs> and then as a teenager, I wrote a sort of um, nature story that my dad had typed up by his typist at work some poor woman was typing up my story and she said it was very good so that's nice so yes and then all my life I've done visual art and I've done writing of some kind now quite a lot of the visual art I did with you two mm. because over the years in all sorts of women's groups and other situations we've been in and we've been out on holidays where we've done learned about photography We've done lots of uh, making of little installations with things on a beach. There's all sorts of ways we've done creative. Mm. I've done courses, you know, I've done uh, adult education classes. And I also did a an art start, which was like a foundation art course done in evening class somewhere like the art college. That's when I had my second child and I was on maternity leave. So there was a whole period of my life when I wasn't sure which way I'd go. And then in the end, I decided, I, having had three children and, and uh, worked then full time, it was like I'd done enough in my life. I had enough on 
that I could just about fit in some creative every now and then as a short course or with friends. And then eventually I thought, no, I need to choose because I want to develop it. Mm. So I chose, I decided I'd have to really focus on the writing. Mm. Um, and then that led in the end when I, you know, until I finished work, I was just starting to do a bit more about mm. it. And then did some more in-depth courses. Mm. Well, uh, my story is very different. Um, I think I, I was always musical. And when I was 10, my dad came home with a, a clarinet. And I think he wanted me to be a version of Akabilk. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember being at Butlins. I think I was about 11 or something. And I had a little drawn-on beard <laughs> and a striped waistcoat uh, and played Stranger on the Shore, which was my first tune. Uh, and I didn't win. But uh, it, was, it was my dad's dream, really. He really wanted to be a musician. Uh, so, But I did music all the time at school. Um, I was told I couldn't sing. All this has been proved wrong. <laughs> but the other bit was uh, that... A bit like you, Claire, that there was a friend of my dad's who came to give us art lessons. And they were, I think we only had one. And I remember my dad, and I, I must have been about 12 and Cherry was eight, I think, my younger sister. And I remember this, my dad saying to this man, uh, Cherry is the creative one and Ruth isn't. Oh. I, th I think I don't think he meant anything bad by it, but I was the clever intellectual one, and he and Ch Cherry was the the creative airy fairy one, <laughs> <laughs> and so I believed that. I believed I wasn't creative, and that's what happens to a lot of people when they're young. They're told something, they're told you can't sing or you can't something, and you believe it because that's what the grown ups say. So. When I was um, a grown-up <laughs> and, you know, I got married and um, different things happened and all I did was politics. I was in the... I worked. I was uh, I worked in uh, Leeds City Libraries. Hello, anybody out there from Leeds City okay. Libraries from back then. Um, and... I got involved in the trade union and uh, I did politics the whole time and I didn't do anything creative, so-called creative. And then uh, my marriage ended. I left. Basically, it was boring. And, uh, <laughs> and I started a new life. And the first thing I did when I, within months, I think, was... Uh, I joined a tap dance class because I always wanted to do tap dancing. And so I did that and I met somebody who had a, who was an artist who I had a, a, a long relationship with. And then uh, after the first term, something happened anyway. It didn't carry on. Something happened with the tap dance teacher or the, it was a very, very strange setup anyway. That's another story. Um, so I had to, I wanted to do an, uh, something and I saw that there was a mime class and I didn't particularly want to learn how to, you know, 
um, be against, you know, be on the other side of a window or pretend to be pulling a rope or walking in the wind. I didn't particularly want to do that, but I quite liked it. So, you know, I like watching it. So, OK, I'll, I'll do that. And I found it wasn't that. It was physical theatre and it opened everything up. And I started doing uh, doing going to workshops and doing all sorts of things with extraordinary, extraordinary um, workshop leaders. And and also I was uh, having a relationship with an artist. And so the whole world of creativity opened and then I found out that it was a big lie that uh, I wasn't creative. Absolutely the opposite. The struggle I was having was I was I was creative, but trying to to live in a in a I don't know. It, it's not true what they say about libraries, but there is some truth in it. So this very very straight and sort of regimented world, and um, I've I think I've always um, rebelled against that, I guess. And so I became more and more me, and I changed the way I looked, just gradually, gradually, gradually. And I did a lot of work, a lot of voice and singing and all sorts of things. I'd been told I couldn't sing. Um, it's very few people can't sing. I really believe that. And that sort of took took me all the way through my work, which became very creative. And I had the opportunity, I was working in mental health, to do things around mental health and art and creativity and um being connected with ourselves and other people. It was very, looking back on it, it was, um, it was the job for me, I, where I could become me, could fully become me. So, Lynette. Well, mine's very, we're all very different stories, even yeah. though we end up in a sort of the same place. My mother was an artist, but, um, as a single parent with four children, she didn't have much time for her art. Uh, but I grew up around art. My idea when we would go and stay with my grandfather in Sheffield, we, you went for a walk and then you stopped and you sat down and drew and then you went home. That's what I thought was normal. Um, and so we always, that was always going on in the house. And mother was a fantastic artist in a totally different way from me. But at things like uh, I'd get up on my birthday and she would, having stayed up all night because she did tend to, uh, putting the finishing touches to an amazing birthday card for me. Um, or when it came to, say, I remember one time, we, she, we, a Christmas present. So uh, the only way we had presents in those days, mother was a very heavy smoker and she used to smoke these, I won't advertise them, these particular cigarettes that used to give you little voucher things with them, coupons. And when it came to a birthday or Christmas, she'd say, she'd show us the catalogue and say, choose your present from the catalogue because we had no money. She smoked, no, no, not because she smoked all the way, because she didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> and so I chose a case, a suitcase, because cause we didn't have things like that. And, but she, afterwards she said, well, I couldn't wrap it up because it's so very big. 
So she got some crepe paper and put it over the top of it and got some cardboard and made, and made it into a jousting horse. <laughs> so there was this cardboard head and this crepe paper flounces. And so beside the Christmas tree was this amazing jousting horse. So I grew up this creative to me this was all very normal this is what you did and we all did it and and unlike Ruth I never believed anything I was told so if someone had told me I wasn't creative I would have told them I won't use the language on air but I would have told them those sort of things you know you just did it you did whatever anyway at school I mean I was also good at sciences and you had to decide what to do at a level and I chose pure maths, applied maths and physics because that was um, uh, what I was interested in. But at that time, I also, I was thinking, do I want to do sciences or do I want to go to art school? And I thought about it and I thought, it's fairly, I'm going to have to earn a living because I came from a single parent background. You know, I, there was no way you were never going to have to earn a living. So, and I thought... It's impossible to earn a living as an artist. I could tell then, as a visual artist, it was very difficult. I mean, some people manage it, but it's very difficult. Whereas, as a scientist or an engineer, as it turned out, that's going to be easier. So I chose engineering. And But in the sixth form, I spent all my, at school, I spent all my free periods in the art class with some of my friends. And so the art teacher, because it was a really fantastic school I went to, and I think schools are so important and such a place where positive things can happen. And I went to this fantastic school where the art teacher said, well, why don't you do A-level art as well? Because you're spending, you do more art than the others who are supposed to be taking the A-level. So as I was at a school that allowed me to do A-levels in pure math, supplied math, physics and art. And I didn't think this was strange. It seemed perfectly reasonable to me. That's what I did. So I then went to university and did engineering and I was an engineer for the rest of my life and teaching computing and things like that. But I always did art because it was always there, visual art. So I always drew, I did etching, I did silk screen printing, drawing, all sorts of things, photography. I'd always done those things. And then when I got really stressed at work uh, and wanted to cut down to four days a week when I was 49... I, I saw that the art college, what was then Leeds College of Art, is now Leeds Arts University, did a part-time fine art degree. And I thought, wow, that's an opportunity. I'll go and do a fine art degree. Not that I needed a degree as such, but it was a great way of, sort of moving forward. And so I did that um, until for six years so it was part-time over six years which was great because we had access to all those things and I did I went to do that course thinking I would do the kind of things I'd done before printmaking photography or etching or something like that but I didn't I went off in totally different directions and so then once I finished work then I could spend more time doing that and I the people I met on the art course we set up our own art group and we did a number of art things, installations as a group. And then the group shrunk and shrunk. And now it's just me and one person more in the from the group. And we now work together doing installations. But then, and during that art course, I also just touched on making artist books. And that 
just randomly happened to be what took off. But I think the thing is, some people think like engineering actually is a very creative thing. People think of sciences as not. And people do. I remember back when I said what I was doing at A-level. People go, that's a strange thing for a girl to do. Or that's a strange girl. You know, and you go, oh, go away. You know, <laughs> stop being so prescriptive and stupid. You know, show a bit more imagination. You know, you can, you can do anything. And so why not? You know, and it, I never found it a problem. Other people sort of thought it was strange. So, well, I, I learned to be very strange when I was very young. So it never bothered me being strange because we were kind of, because of the politics that I grew up with, we were outcasts anyway. So, yeah, so what? I, I was just going to say I was interested in talking about going to art college and mm. the fact that you thought you were going in with one set of skills or that you mm. probably develop. And I thought that's the interesting thing to me about going and doing a training or a, uh -huh. um, mm. something in a bit more depth. Because uh, I went on to do an MA in mm. the end. And um, it, I think the thing is it, it, takes it, to an, it takes it to another level. You, you concentrate on your creativity. So you're, you're actually, mm. in a way, you're investing a lot of time and energy and then you're getting feedback and you're at a, on a course. So they get you to do things you don't, think of and those suddenly turn out to be what you need to do so yes. I, I do I would recommend to people if you're interested in creativity you don't have to do an MA or you don't have to do a qualification but do some trainings in it because I think it every now and then it just gives you a whole different perspective but the other thing that I did I was always involved in women and art groups yes. so I was involved mm. in a number of collective groups that that so you're sharing ideas mm. and you're and the thing was about the art course at the art college was that it was funny. We weren't taught anything in that sense. It was very much open-ended because that's the way that art courses have gone. So it was like, oh, right, this term, you're given a brief and they're going, run with that. And I, I didn't find that a problem. Because I just, like I now make all these artist books and people and uh, things. And, and people are always saying to me when I have a stall at a, a fair, artist book fair or whatever, oh, how can, where do you get these ideas from? And I just, you know, I just go, they pop into my head. Mm -hmm. Usually in bed first thing in the morning or in the shower. Just ideas popping in all the time. But like Claire says, it's good to go to something that helps you free up because yeah. as Ruth said a lot of people are closed down mm. their ideas they're oh no no you you can't do that or you're not that mm. or you're not and what you were saying Claire is about courses where uh, anything that opens it up that says try it and in fact in engineering there is the saying suck it and see and which is, which is, you know, well, we're not sure whether this is going to work, so you try it out. And the same in any artistic practice. Try it out, experiment. What Ruth always calls playing, and I always call experimenting. Yeah. Or, you know, you're, you're just yeah. playing, just try things out. Stop being afraid of failing, mm. because actually sometimes and and what form does your creativity take i used to do a lot of knitting and crocheting and things i made and sewing 
And that was just, oh, yes, oh, dear, I've miscalculated how much wool I have for this jumper. Oh, well, I'll just get another one. Oh, I'll put stripes in it now, you know, because you're just playing with a new idea. And quite often the most creative things come out of accidents and getting something wrong. And, you know, you've got, you mustn't be afraid. You mustn't, don't listen to them when they say, you know, you can't do it. You're not this or you're not that. I'd like to move to the next bit, which is we're all um, around about 70. And that's the the, the um, reason really for um, doing this conversation. And we've all been creative and, the, and you can hear that we know each other and we're very, we've, we've come to... Um, uh, we've we've seen each other through all different stages of our lives, and now we're in in what I think this this is my thought, which is there's three thirds in a life. There's the per, divide divide into thirties just for the want, uh, you know, for the want of this. So the first thirty is you're born and you become, and you know you 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 become a teenager and your twenties and you're becoming. And then the second lot, the 30 to 60, is you're building and you're creating something. And we're in a third third, which is that we're in, some people say saging or we're in the wisdom. And we've got a lot of experience. We've, done, we've lived lots of lives. We've made loads of mistakes. We've learned or not learned, learned things. What's common for, for us and the reason for this conversation is that we've all made that decision that we recognize creativity is a major part of our lives, but we're going to become artists. We finish work. I refuse to call it retire. I think retire is you go to, you go to bed. <laughs> this is the next bit of my life. I graduated out of work. So all of us have, uh, have done paid work and that big transition from doing that structured life of however many decades it was, now we've got a bit of freedom. We're lucky that we've got financially, we're not bad. I don't have to work. Um, but I've made a decision to, uh, I am, can now call myself an artist. And I'm just interested in that journey and, you know, what brought us to this table. So who'd I, like to start I with that? I call myself an artist, yeah. you know, because even though, but I never had enough time when I was working to do all the art I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so, and I remember in one women's art group I was in where every time we met, I would go almost apologetically, well, I haven't done the things we all agreed we would do last time. You know, there was always that frustration because working, work took up so much time and energy. And so that's what retiring, and I'm quite happy to use, use the word retiring because retirement to me doesn't mean you know sitting because people will say oh you know you'll sit down you become a couch potato sitting there on the sofa in front of the television well I don't have a television and I don't have a sofa so I can't be can't become a couch potato I you know so I don't mind the term retirement because it doesn't have it's not laden with negativity to me it's an, a, a sort of time for opportunity and as you say, you, we've, we're lucky we don't have to go out to work anymore. And it's finding 
a way of doing your creative, should we call it your creative practice, or your playing, or your experimenting, a way of doing that within your means. So it could be, now I could go out and spend, and I do occasionally spend money, particularly when I'm working on installations with David, we spend a lot of money on expensive Fabriano paper. But all the rest of my artist's books, I use any sort of scraps. I use repurpose, reuse, recycle. I enjoy playing about with that because that can be very creative in itself. And so you don't have to think, oh, to be an artist, I've got to paint with oils and oils are very expensive, so I can't be an artist. And of course, you know, you can use whatever. And recently I've got into what's called um, making or sort of founding. And I've made ink, as it were, from every plant in the garden, from bits of old copper wire, from loads of stuff. So there's ways of doing it. And you just have to look to find a way that works for you rather than to me one of the things that being a poet now and continually pushing myself is about keeping developing so that's keeping active keeping my mind active keeping feeling I'm growing Um, and even though you know I, I don't have the energy I once had and I can get distracted with other demands on me because I have family and so I do, it still is important for me to try and fight for fight time for myself mm-hmm. because I do have to be on my own to do my poetry. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not building enough time on my own, I won't be writing. Not to the level, I can, I can write a little bit, but if I want to move it on, it is time on my own. So that is still a challenge for me. But what it does give me is a sense a bigger sense of purpose in that I am still a growing, developing person, pushing myself and finding new aspects of life or aspects of myself, which I find incredibly exciting. I find creativity incredibly exciting. So how I sometimes will describe when I do something or when I go to an exhibition, I find I describe it as unbearably exciting. It is so exciting. It is almost unbearable. And you kind of burst, you're going to burst with it. But actually get finding structure for it can still be a challenge. And mm. that's part of the thing that it's not my work. So do you know what I mean? You you do have to find a way to structure it. Um, and and I think when you're not working, structuring your life is an ongoing thing about balance. And a lot of people find that very difficult when they retire from paid work. Yeah. Is is they don't have a structure in their life, and I, I that's a bit of a problem for me when people say that because I don't have a structure in my life, and there's no way I want a structure in my life. And I do rather sort of envy certain artists who will get up and go to the studio and work. And I know someone who's a fantastic artist, one of he was at, at one of my teachers at art college, tutor and brilliant tutor. And he gets up and he goes to his studio kind of nine to five every day. And I look with awe at it you know that would be but there's no way I could do it it just doesn't work for me and you have to find out what works for you but and I I can't do structure at all but you you do like don't you to have 
a deadline of some kind like you have oh, a <laughs> deadline it was who was it who said um was it bryson no it was the other one Oh, wait, who says, I love deadlines. I love the sound they make as they whiz past. <laughs> yeah. So my stories are uh, different. That's what I like about us three is that we're all different. So I worked for 34 years for Leeds City Council. And um, I did lots of creative things. And then I finished in 2010. And it wasn't my choice, to be honest, but it was a, a gift and I decided not to decide what I was going to do next. But the decision I made was that whatever I did had to make a difference in the world and be creative. It had to be those two things because I, creativity is the thing that brings me alive. So uh, let's see what happens. And what came into my inbox, in my email box, uh, was... Um, information about a clown course and well I like you know clowns are very interesting okay I'll have a, a, a let's have a look and I went and did this clown course in the January I finished work in September I think and it changed my life because it, it's not about what you think a lot of people think clowns about being silly it's about having a naive look at the world as if as if you're newborn and seeing its absurdities and showing the absurdities of the world that we live in, where some people have a lot and some people don't. And um, I mean, I'm sure you can think of lots of ways the world is absolutely absurd. Um, and if you can laugh at the absurdity, something something shifts. And from that, um, I went on to train as a storyteller. And I found in storytelling, it's incredible. In fact, I think that's what we're all doing in art. We're all telling stories in one way or another. It can be visually, it can be through poetry, um, but this is straight storytelling. And I've created over the, I've done all sorts of things, but my latest thing is I've created a, a one-woman show um, and I'm Jewish, so it comes through a Jewish voice. Um, it's not about being Jewish or anything, but it's who I am. And the stories I tell is so, so some of them are biographical, some of them are folk, folk tales. Um, I make you laugh, I make you cry. It's about an hour and a half long. And I'm very, very, very proud of it. But like I said before, I don't, I, I haven't got the ambition that I would have had when I was 40 to make, you know, um, be in theatres and whatever, whatever, whatever. I do it rel regularly enough. I love performing. Um, and uh, storytelling is extremely powerful as a way of touching people rather than telling you about something let me tell you the story where you can feel what happens with the, with the characters or whatever so the last bit I wanted to say was um, that uh, in, in this bit is that um, uh, I'm I'm married to a, a lovely man called Len. He's a lot older than me. He's 86. And he was a doctor un until about three or four years ago. So he's a doctor right into his 80s. He was a doctor. He came back as a doctor during COVID. Um, and then when he stopped doctoring, because you have to stop, you can't, you don't fade out. You, you either doctor or you don't. He's lost. And it's like what you're saying, people don't know what to do. And then 
earlier this year, I suggested he goes on this clown course that I went on. He went, he had his 86th birthday as a clown. It was absolutely brilliant. Had got a lovely little video of these little clowns coming with a cake to, <laughs> to wish him happy birthday. And then uh, he really enjoyed that. He's never done creative things in his life. He's been very creative as a doctor. I mean, I think I think he's a very creative man, but he wouldn't uh, th think of himself as an artist or a uh, creative. Um, and then he went on the, an introduction to story selling course and really, really enjoyed that. Now, he's 86, so he's had lots of things ha have happened in his life. Um and now we've two of us have just finished doing a four weekend biographical storytelling. We finished it the weekend before last. And he told him an amazing story. Um, it was about the death of his wife and it was really powerful. But it was really about she had a green, a green burial. It was about nature and it was about life and death. And it was absolutely beautiful on the way home on the because this was down in East Sussex on the way home on the train he said I think I'll do the three months storytelling course it's the one I did in 2012 for th so it's full time three months wow. in <laughs> in East Sussex and I am whether he does it or not he, he he might or he might not but he's he's applied for it he's thinking about it um, I think that is such a wonderful um uh example of yeah. you yeah. life is for living mm -hmm. and he, he says well i don't know what i'm going to do with it and i said doesn't matter doesn't matter and go on the journey the three month the three month yeah. course is quite extraordinary and i've got an idea of me and him doing um, a two-hander performance and creating something but it that that is just it's so like him that uh you know, until my last breath, I will be playing, is my thought. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what happens when you get ill and, you know, when the when life sort of implodes on you. But I'm completely sold, and that's why I'm so delighted to do this with my friend, is to put this out to to people that life is for living, and, and please play. So... The last question I did think about was, and, you know, please come in with anything else that's in your minds, but for the people who are listening to this, and there'll be older people, there'll be younger people, um, what is it we want them to hear? What, what, what is the thing that we want to be saying? And, I, and so that's my thing. And also, I think it's a shame in this world that we have to wait until we finish work to have the time to to do uh what our heart what makes our heart sing so yeah so what what is it you would like people to to take away from this i would say grab hold of life by the throat and just just do this you know see she's her hands around an invisible neck <laughs> this life thing you've got to rest it don't and none of this. Just lay back and oh, I've now it's finished. No, you don't do. You know, get up and go. <laughs> Even if that means you know you can't physically get up, you might be getting up and going, lying down. Yeah. 
you know, whatever it is, like, you know, Matisse took to tearing up a piece of paper when he could no longer paint. You know, so find a way, whatever. Just find a way to do it. If you enjoyed this, there are more Shine On podcasts to listen to. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more riches on our website. Stories, podcasts, articles, interviews and features by and about fascinating older people in Leeds and Yorkshire. Go to www.theshinemag.com If you have an idea for a podcast or would like to join the storytelling team, contact us at podcasts at theshinemag.com. Shine On is brought to you by the makers of Shine magazine with support from Chapel FM. Season one is funded by Leeds Inspired. (laughs) 